Evan Lazar here, Patriots insider and host of the Patriots Beat podcast here on the CLNS Media Network. As always, our content is powered by our exclusive wagering partners, betonline.ag. Use the promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your welcome deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I'm Evan Lazar, joined as always by Alex Barth. We are eight days away, nine days away from the NFL draft as we sit here on Tuesday evening. A uh, week from Thursday is the first round. Uh, obviously, the rest of the draft will then follow over the course of the weekend. So we're getting getting closer by the minute here, getting closer by the day. We're almost there. Uh, if you haven't done your homework on the draft, well, now you're cramming. That, that's the way I look at it. So uh, Alex and I The haze going, in the barn. What do they like to say? The haze in the Mac barn? Jones, Mac Jones is saying all last year on Fridays when we talked to him, the hay is in the barn, so to speak. I wouldn't say all the hay's in the barn for me. I think there's still a few guys no. that I'm trying to kick the tires on. We still got till next Thursday night, technically, yeah. to get all of our uh, T's crossed and our I's dotted. So we still got some I time, think, but we're getting there. Yeah, my plan is to have the hay in the barn by by next Wednesday, honestly. that's I did this last year. It's actually very relaxing. I took the day before. I didn't take it off, but I like kind of just chilled the day before the draft, and it was nice, so... Um, we'll have a show that Thursday morning. Well, that'll probably be our final mock draft, but yeah, we are, we are getting there right now. Um, yeah. do you want to yeah. let people know what, uh, what we're doing on this show since it's going to be very interactive? Yes. Very interactive show plan tonight. Uh, we're excited to do this one. We are going to take some questions. That's why we titled the show a Q and a, our goal is to do rapid fire prospects. I see a couple of questions that I do want to get to off the top that are a little bit more big picture. And then we'll really get into it and set this up. We want to go rapid fire. You give us a name. We give you a take. That's our goal here tonight. And I think then we, we've got a couple of those already here, more or less. Yes, we do. So I'm, uh, I'm excited about it, but that's, we're really going to try to hone in on this rapid fire structure. We've tried to do this before. And uh, as uh, we tend to do on Patriots beat, we get, get a little bit off the rails at times and a little bit distracted uh, from the end game here. So that's the goal is you give us a name. We give you a take on the draft prospect and we're going to do that here shortly. We're also going to grade some mock drafts. I thank all of you that have sent in mock drafts so far uh, to the Patriots CLNS account. We got a bunch of them. Alex, I was uh, joking with you about this before we started recording. A lot of these mock drafts that I see uh, have a lot of the players that you and I have been talking up over the last couple of months in the NFL draft, which we appreciate you all watching. But a lot of them are a little bit redundant. I will warn some people that they – have a lot of the same players as a result. We've been talking about this for a while. I think at this point, a lot of the players are kind of etched in people's brains that they like, and that's the guys that people target or tend to target in these mock drafts. So we have the Q&As. We have the live mock draft. That's the goal here tonight. And uh, let's start, though. Where do you want to start? You want to start with the mocks or you want to start with the q &A? Let's just get into the prospects. I, there's some names here, even some names, guys, we haven't really talked about a ton um, that we could get into. So I don't know if I can pull these up. I saw we got Trent McDuffie. We've got um, Jack Jones, Leo Chanel. Like, um, I'm counting. If they just say the name in the question, I, we don't necessarily have to answer the exact question. But yeah, yeah. if you go back down you. to the beginning, we've got a bunch. So let's 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 try to keep this okay. to like 30 to 45 seconds each a player. Oh, yeah. Overall thought on the player. Okay, here we go. Let's start here with the first round prospect. Let's start with Trent McDuffie, 
who I think is a name that has come up a little bit more recently trying to figure out where exactly he's going to fall on the board has been a struggle. I know draft media, uh, guys like Dame Brugler, Mel Kuyper, really, really high on Trent McDuffie. There's certainly a lot of buzz with him around the league, but finding exactly where he's going to slot in into this draft in the first round has been a little bit of an up and down. You know, you look at his kind of chart there. It's kind of like this, right, of where exactly he's going to go in the first round. I think the biggest reason being – is that the tape tells you that he's probably a top 15, top 20 prospect in this draft. But then he goes to the combine, measures in a little bit small, under six feet tall, uh, shorter arm length. Those are the types of things that as we get into the draft process a little bit, tend to have prospects drop down the board slightly. Now it feels like 15 to 25 range is probably going to ultimately be his sweet spot and definitely in play at 21 for the Patriots. What's your Trent McDuffie take? 45 seconds there, Evan. Here's how you do this. Uh, McDuffie's interesting. I think between the three first round guys, like within the Patriots range, right? Booth, Elam, McDuffie. He's he's the, the biggest high risk, high reward. A lot of it's going to come down to how he's used. And I think if the Patriots want that, you know, man-to-man yeah. press outside corner, they're probably better off going with Booth or Elam. If they're going to embrace this positionless secondary, they want a guy who can play on the outside in the slot, play some safety, depending on the matchup. McDuffie is probably the best option of the three. So it depends what what you're looking at defensively, I think changes the evaluation of McDuffie. That's how you do a rapid fire prospect. Yeah, that's a really good take because I think the biggest thing that I'm looking at when I'm trying to put my final mock draft together for the Patriots here over the next couple of weeks, are they more looking at this from a long-term prism or are they more looking at this? We need to draft somebody in the first round that's going to fill a hole and play instantly right away as a rookie, because Trent McDuffie strikes me as a type of guy that might be more in the category of a Jonathan Jones replacement rather than a JC Jackson replacement. Right. And they obviously have Jonathan Jones on the roster right now. So yes, down in Miami, you do have to cover two guys that Jonathan Jones would definitely cover and Tyreek Hill and Jay and Waddle, but not every team has two guys that runs and run in the four twos. So you don't necessarily right. need that in every single matchup drafting a corner in the first round for one team that you're going to play twice a year is you got 14 other games, right? 15 other games a year right. that you got to worry about. So that's my take on McDuffie is what so, are they looking at long-term or short-term with that pick? The other thing about this being rapid fire is you give your take. I give my take next prospect. You, me, next prospect. Okay. All right. All right. I like my take, though. I do appreciate that. Let's see if we can pick this up a little bit here. Okay. N'Kobe Dean. We've talked about N'Kobe Dean a little bit, um, but I I think that both of us are weary of projecting a 226-pound linebacker to Bill Belichick. It's just not his usual MO. But if they're going to change the way that they play defensively, it's it's possible that they could go in this direction. I, I don't think so, though, and I'm going to tell you why in a second. Go ahead with your timer. Yeah, I, no, you're spot on there. I think it ultimately comes down to the defensive philosophy. If they can't draft him and play him like Dante Hightower and send him downhill all the time to stop the run. If they're right. going to change this up, though, and the secondary is going to get – the linebackers are going to get involved in coverage. They want guys to really flow sideline to sideline. If they're going to do the new age defense – Nicobe Dean is as new agey as you're going to get. It's just a matter of, is that what they want the defense to be? 
Yeah, so I think the biggest thing is uh, that I wanted to get to with this. We talked to Macro. Oh, stop it. We talked to Macro. It's a challenge. We talked to Macro last week, and I asked him about speed on defense. And he went into an answer saying that they definitely want to get faster. But one of the things that he pointed out was that they could get faster by potentially playing guys at different spots than what they lined up in college, like playing safeties at linebacker. So when I go back with these 226-pound linebackers, I consistently find myself saying, well, would the Patriots just rather play Kyle Duggar in that spot versus playing N'Kobe Dean there? And where is that line for New England of this is worth it to us to draft a linebacker that's basically the same size as Kyle Duggar versus just taking Jabril Peppers and putting him out there in the box instead of drafting N'Kobe Dean in the first round? That. If they're going to get faster on defense, it might not be just by drafting faster linebackers is my point, right? It might be by playing a little bit different personnel than what we've seen in the past, like a three safety package or maybe even a four safety package. Okay. Next prospect. Jack Jones. The Patriots have now met with Jack Jones, Alex, twice. They had a top 30 visit with him. And according to a report today, they also met with him uh, locally at his school. I uh, was at Arizona, right? Uh, yeah. So Jack Jones, uh, what do you think of him? Somebody that I don't think that a lot of people know a lot about. Yeah, so I I, I think he's an interesting prospect, multi-year starter, uh, team captain. There's... Uh, you know, there's some guys in the draft that they're going to come in as, as depth players like right away, and that's what they're going to be in their career. And you don't necessarily use a first-round pick on those guys, but you look at where the Patriots are at the cornerback position, they don't just need top-end talent. They need depth. Yeah. And you can draft Jack Jones, and he can probably be a 25 to 30% usage rate guy, which, again, that's what they need. So I don't know that he solves all your cornerback problems. He's a guy I look at where it's like, all right, if you're going to double down on corner in the draft, he's an excellent second corner. Um, but I, so I, I like him on day three. I don't think he solves all the problems. I like him on day three. I think he comes in and contributes right away. Yeah, he's a special teams guy to me right away. I think that any guy that's going to get drafted day three, especially where uh, Jack Jones is projected right now, assuming that he's like a sixth round pick for the Patriots, fifth round pick. Going to have to make the team in the kicking game. They have lost some guys in recent years, especially this offseason, Brandon King, Brandon Bolden, that are big-time special teams contributors. So do I look at him and say, oh, he's going to play a ton on defense in his future? I think that remains to be seen. Uh, But certainly a guy that could take a route of special teams first and then maybe project into a cornerback spot down the road. Yep. How's that? How's that? That's better. We're getting there. That was like a minute, a little over a minute. We're getting there, though. Okay. Uh, Britton Covey. I think a lot of people have said uh, Slade Bolden, right? Everybody you know, right. Has, has kind of made the jokes about Slade Bolden, connected Slade Bolden. Uh, Britton, Britton Covey is maybe a little bit lesser known Slade Bolden, I guess is the best way to put it. West Coast Slade Bolden. Yeah. Slade Bolden after dark. Yeah. I... So I don't think he's as good of a receiver as Bolden is. You're not bringing him in for that. And he should be a UDFA. I wouldn't draft him. Uh, He's he's an excellent, excellent kick and punt returner. He's one of the best in college football this year. He has been the last few years. Um, He he's, I believe he's Mormon. He did a mission. So he's going to be a little bit older. Uh, That's going to limit his upside. Maybe as a receiver. If they, you know, we've talked about them drafting a lot of guys, Marcus Jones, Bo Melton, Wandale Robinson, who can return kicks. 
I think they're going to find their kick returner elsewhere in the draft, somebody who contributes in another way. If they don't, Kobe's an easy fit. And I think, you know, even if they do, you bring him in as maybe another option. So if you bring in Slade Bolden, you really bring him in to play special teams. I think it's the same with Britton Kobe, but I, he's just a little bit faster. He's a little more explosive. I actually think he's a better, yeah. uh, better returner. I, if we're between the two, I, there's something to be said for the Bolden Mac Jones relationship, but I, I think I'd rather have Kobe. Yeah, if you're going to make Julian Edelman, Wes Welker, Danny Amendola type of comparisons, I would say that Kobe moves a little bit more like those guys in Slade Bolden yeah. in terms of his explosiveness, his short area agility. Uh, he pops off the tape a little bit more uh, than somebody like Slade Bolden and his movement skills. So I actually uh, lean a little bit more towards Britton Kobe as well as my guy in that seventh round UDFA type of mold of who's the next Edelman. Uh, if it's going to be anybody from this draft, I think it might more be Britain Kobe than it will be Slade Bolden. Yep. There you go. Okay. Right. Now, now we're hitting a rhythm. So this is about trading up. I, we can talk about it in the prism of trading up, but also yeah. just Derek Singley in general, if he does have a fall on draft night, as some draft analysts have theorized, he might fall into the early teens or something like that. Do you feel like he's good enough as a prospect to go up and get him? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've said this, Evan. I think he's the best corner in the draft. I, I do. I the, the Sauce Gardner stuff, I get it. But I still think Stingley, the ceiling's higher. I think the reason people were hesitant on him was kind of bullcrap. Oh, he didn't do the combine. Boo. Like, a lot of guys. Nicobe Dean didn't do the combine. A lot of guys didn't do the yeah. combine. The, none of the top tackles did the combine. We're still high on them. He has some injury history. I get that. The upside is so, so, so elite. Like, so elite. Like, I would trade up to 10. Now, the Jets aren't going to give him to you. And I don't think he gets to 10. He shouldn't get to 10. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head who's at 11. But it's another it's another trade the Patriots can't really make. 12, uh, Minnesota. I can see that. Minnesota may take a long-term look. Want to add a future pick. Try to figure out what's next behind, um, behind Kirk Cousins. Get that future draft capital. It's going to be expensive. It's going to be really expensive. If you can move up to 12 and get Stingley, I think it would be worth it. Yeah, I think it might be worth it too. And the big thing I see with Stingley, and this happens at times in the in the draft, maybe not as pronounced or as publicly as something like Stingley has, but where guys, look, he's been the best corner in college football since his freshman year in 2019. And he's just been kind of wasting away at LSU, uh, playing for nothing, right? Playing on a team right. that's winning nothing. And he's just been waiting to get to the NFL. And my guess is I'm betting on the talent and I'm saying that, when we get Derek Stingley into a pro program and he's ready to go, now he's playing with the elite of the elite, that switch is just going to flip right back yeah. on, right? And he's going to be the guy that we saw in 2019. It's really difficult. I think the one other example uh, off the top of my head, like Jadavian Clowney was kind of like that, where he had the big junior yeah. year. Uh, also, uh, Leonard Fournette was a little bit like that, right? I think those two guys had the big sophomore years. And, yeah, then, so they, and then they had to wait until they were juniors to come out. If people want to remember, by the way, it was Washington 11. They need a corner. So I doubt yeah. they're trading back. Like, basically, for him to get to 12, Kyle Hamilton needs to get to 11, and Washington decides they want Hamilton over Stingley. Right. And even then, you're talking about probably two quarterbacks going in the top 10. Yeah. People need to remember with Stingley, there were that 2019 LSU team, the national championship team, that team had some talent. That team had Burrow. That team had Chase. That team had Justin Jefferson. Yeah, Stingley was a true freshman, so he wasn't even close to coming out. People said Stingley was the best pro prospect on that team at the time. 
and maybe it's kind of gotten lost in, in translation the last couple of years, but Evan, when he is on, he is on. He's the best corner in the draft. I have him as yeah. cornerback one. I think people that don't have him as quarterback one are overthinking it. I would absolutely love, and I bet you teams that are thinking about drafting Derek Stingley are getting the practice tape from LSU of him going up against Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and saying, and uh, Terrence Marshall was there too, right? At LSU also when he was there. Yeah. And yeah, they had some other good defensive players. Uh, uh, Delpit, Grant Delpit was there. Yeah, Grant Delpit in the secondary. I, I think a lot of teams are maybe getting their hands on some of that practice tape and watching him go toe to toe with Jamar chase and seeing the real yep. Derek Stingley in practice. So I, I think that that's a guy that I would absolutely trade up for. I want to take a second to shout out our friends at BetOnline.ag. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info, find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the playoffs fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that baseball is back and the start of the Major League Baseball season is finally here. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Okay. Uh, two guys here, two for, uh, starting yeah. with James Cook at running back. I watched him uh, this past week, did a full report on him. A fantastic player. I mean, really, really fun prospect. There are just not a lot of guys. And I, when you look at him and you say, oh, he's going to go third round, second, third round, the ability in that Michigan game in the college football semifinal to go under center, run split zone from under center, break off an explosive run. Then a couple plays later, they flex him out wide and he's out wide on the, on the flanker out on the boundary. And he's running a double move against the safety and he's beating him over the top. And then on the next play, he's taking another hand, like that versatility. I, I can't believe that that versatility makes it out of the second round. It just doesn't feel like, uh, that kind of offensive weapon should last long. I know he's not the most physical guy. Uh, he goes down on first contact a lot, uh, but his versatility, his explosiveness, uh, he's a really interesting and fun player, especially in today's NFL. Yeah, this year's running back class is interesting because there's no, you know, even borderline first round back, right? Like we, um, yeah. who was it last year? Was, um, or two years ago was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Right. Who was the borderline first round back last year? I don't know why I can't. Anyway, um, next year it'll be B. John Robinson. Uh, Najee Harris, right? Najee Harris. We all know who's going to go in first yeah. round. So right. that guy doesn't exist in this class, but there's a bunch of potential second round backs. Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker. There's going to be a run on day two of running backs yeah. at some point. Yeah. So Cook's just a step below the, those guys. He's a little smaller. He's a little less experienced, but the best do it all back in the draft. And you know the Patriots are going to yeah. capitalize on a guy like that. I don't think Patriots would fan fans would love where you would have to take him to get him here. I think 54 is too early, but you probably have to move up from 85. It might cost you a future top 100 pick to get, to make that move. Uh, but he's going to be a really good player. If he comes here, he's going to be a really good player. He'd be an excellent yeah. fit in their system. He's the kind of guy that Mac Jones is going to have a lot of success with. He could, I think he could seamlessly take over the reins from James white while also handling some early down duties. So I don't know how realistic he is in terms of how they're going to get him. But if they can figure out a way to get him, it's probably going to be a great pick. Yeah, so not as his contact balance and his ability to 
one cut and really go is not as good as his big brother, right? Dalvin's his big brother. Right. He doesn't quite have that power between the tackles in his frame, uh, but he has, way, yeah, he has way more versatility. I would say than Dalvin Dalvin's great yeah. coming out of the backfield on screen passes, uh, swings into the flat, things like that, but he's not a complete receiver. Uh, like his younger brother is uh, James cook is an all do it all weapon. As you said, all right, yeah. Kyle Phillips, uh, fourth round's a little bit rich for me with Kyle Phillips. I, I didn't quite see it. Like, I, I think when I watched him on tape, that 40 time, that mid four fives did not surprise me one bit. Like, I think that that's exactly who he is on film. Uh, he runs some good routes. Uh, he does have some quickness at the top of the route. But I think all of us are really stressing a little bit more speed. It's not that we need guys that were all running the four twos, right? They don't have to draft Tyquan right. Thornton to make me happy. But they need to draft somebody that's got a little bit more get up and go when he comes off the line of scrimmage. I think specifically. It's somebody who can help after the catch, whether it's an X yeah. receiver, whether it's slot yeah. receiver, somebody who's going to be somewhat of a yak threat. Kyle Phillips isn't that guy. He's I mean, he's going to get open five, eight yards down the field, catch the ball, fall down. If that's what you want, you like, I honestly don't think he's that different than Slate Bolden. Like he's yeah. a little more polished, but yeah, I, I don't know that I'm in a rush to draft Kyle Phillips. Like, again, no, I can draft him or I can go get Bolden or Kobe as a UDFA. I think you're ultimately going to end up with the same player. So I, I, I don't I see a lot. A lot. I know a lot of Patriots fans are hype on Kyle Phillips. I don't see it. Not my guy. Yeah, me neither. All right. Tyquan Thornton. Uh, this is an interesting one because, oh, I don't know how what I just did to it. Uh, uh, see, now I'm clicking everywhere. OK, uh, Tyquan Thornton's an interesting one. There we yeah. go. I think, you know, really quickly, uh, Miles Boykin just got cut by the Baltimore Ravens, got picked up today by the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was another one of those guys that was absolutely phenomenal at the combine, right? But the production on the tape wasn't really there. I would say Tycon Thornton, to me, don't get lost in the athletic testing. Athletic testing, to me, is to confirm your priors, right? You go into the combine. If you see a fast guy on tape, you want to see a fast guy in the 40. Tyquan Thornton to me is a guy that doesn't play to 426, right? He runs a 426, but when you turn on the film, he's not running to that speed. Whereas a guy like Christian Watson in this draft runs a little bit slower on the clock, but when you put on North Dakota State film, he plays to that speed, right? He is a game changer with the right. speed. I'm all set on Tyquan Thornton. I think that he is strictly a combine athlete. I, I don't think he's a football player. Go ahead. So I think that there's some interesting things with him. You know, he's a bigger guy. He's, what, 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, I, I think outside of the athleticism at the combine, a trait he has I really like, especially for a guy his size, is he's got really good body control. You know, when he's catching the ball yeah. along the sideline in the end zone, like he can get that, he can toe tap, right? He can kind of contort himself to get around the corner. A lot of fast guys can't do that simply because they've never really had to learn that skill. They're just running past everybody. That being said, the rest of his game is pretty raw, right? He started going over the middle last year. That helped him, that that built some production, uh, but but that element of his game is still growing. If if this was a Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, I would be pounding the table for Tyquan Thornton because I think he's the guy that has a ton of uncoachables and he just needs to learn the technique. Now, this isn't the Steelers podcast, it's Patriots, right? Because we know what the Steelers do with wide right. receivers. Any receiver they touch right. turns to gold. Not as much yeah. the case in New England. They don't yeah. you know, necessarily have a dedicated wide receivers coach, so... I like I like Thornton, the player. I think if he goes to the right team, he could potentially be like a contributing number three, maybe even a low-level number two receiver. I just don't right. think New England is the team where that happens. 
Yeah, like I think his upside to Marquez Valdez scamming. Like I really do. I think yeah, that that's like I, that's actually of, a good point. Yeah, I think that that's sort of his upside. Uh, but the Patriots in this offense, like, do they really need that guy? And how do they develop that guy and get right, him? Right, are they going to gonna get him there? Valdez? Right. It just, I don't know. It's too great for me. All right. Speaking that's of great, uh, good, good, good segue. Uh, Danny Gray. I love Danny Gray. I, I, I think I've talked about him a little bit. I, I wish we talked about him more though, so we can talk about him now. Danny Gray from SMU, really, really fun prospect. Also a low four threes guy, can absolutely fly. Uh, what do you think of him for the Patriots? He, he seems to me like the perfect pivot for New England where everybody's talking about Mechie and Moore and all these other big name receivers and the Patriots give you Danny Gray in the fourth round. That, that just all feels so New England and feels so Bill Belichick. Yeah, I mean, the thing I like about him, again, he's going to, give you something after the catch. I mean, that's his whole yeah. game. That's where his whole game begins. I don't really know that he's perfect. a guy who's necessarily going to win in the route as much as he is after the catch. So I, I, I still like Mechie better. There's still guys I have ranked ahead of him, but like you said, here's this guy, smaller school. Uh, you know, he's kind of gotten buried because there's a ton of prospects in the class that fit this mold and, and they, they would go and grab him. So yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be mad if they take him. I think there's other players like him that I'd rather have, but you can't necessarily grab everybody. And I think if they walk away with Danny Gray as their wide receiver edition, that's, it's not a word. It's hardly a worst case scenario. Yeah. You go turn on that tape against TCU and he's just taking slants like 60 yards to the house against a secondary. Right. That's got some NFL players. He does have some flashes of route running, but it, that explosiveness when he gets the ball in his hands, he's got another gear in the open field that he finds really, really quickly, a uh, really smooth player. I know last show, I think last um, mock draft, we drafted Vilas Jones, who's another guy that I'm really yeah. high on. I think Danny Gray is a more polished version of Vilas Jones, similar size, speed, comp, but I think a little bit more polished with his route running. I'd be really excited if they got their hands on Danny Gray, if that ends up being who they come away with. Uh, Michael Clemens got some off-field stuff. I, I don't want to go into that kind of thing. Okay, but we'll uh, squirt yeah, the off-field guys. Yeah, yeah, he's got some – go Google his name. All right, Uh Akelio Evans, uh, a little bit smaller, kind of like a slot corner. We always love Z uh, Zion McCollin, Marcus Jones on this program. But uh, what do you think about Evans? I like Evans. I, I really do. I think he's the perfect. I've talked about this a little bit with different players. It's it's so jarring to just go from their old school defensive philosophy to if they're going to go with the zone hybrid kind of look. Um, I think bridges that gap where he's a press man corner or he's a corner, but he can go press zone. He's a bigger guy, six, two. Um, so I, again, I, I think he kind of helps them stick with some of those identifying characteristics in a new age defense. He gets hurt a lot. I'm worried about that. I don't know yeah. that he solves all your issues. I don't know that he'd be the only corner I would take, but if he can stay like he's a projected fourth round pick right now with injury issues, he's probably a day two talent. It's that kind of value thing. Right. So yeah, I, he's not, he, I wouldn't make him the only corner again, but I, he's a player. I think it would make sense to add. So this is interesting because we mocked Martin Emerson to the Patriots. We've talked about Kyrie Elam. We've talked about Andrew Booth jr. If they kind of miss that first wave in the top 100 of corners. I really like Evans. I really like Alante Taylor from Tennessee as outside guys, right? Longer guys that can play on the outside. Uh, Evans certainly has that 
profile and length, uh, good press man ability. I, I did see some hip tightness and what I would you know call leggy transitions where he's kind of got to take some extra steps to flip his hips and move in different directions. Whereas if you have him cover verticals, I think he could be pretty solid. So he's one of those guys that would definitely be matchup specific right you're gonna have to put him on the right type of receiver you don't want to put him on somebody too quick that, that's gonna give him some problems but if they're just looking for a big outside guy that can press i, I think evans is a good one uh to put in that third or fourth round category like you said okay uh, we know they like to go Sooners. Uh, we know that they like to go Sooners edge defenders in particular. Uh, Nick Bonino is another one of those guys. I had him on my big board. He was in that first tier, that 41 through 50 uh, range. Kind of a little bit sort of Josh Uche, Chase Winovich-esque, which might turn some people off when I immediately when I say that because of how that hasn't worked out here. But he fits that kind of profile that if they still want to try that, right, if they still want to make that work, I think Bonino, uh, like 200, uh, like 48 pounds, 245, something like that, speed rusher extraordinaire. This guy doesn't have power. Uh, this is a pure speed, get to the football type of player. Yeah, I, I mean, I are you talking about Chase Winovich just in range of the draft? Like stylistically, I think he's a very different player. Yeah, right. I think Winovich was a well, speed guy. Yeah, I think he's a speed guy, speed rusher. Not like, not like Benito. No, Benito's like explosive. I when I see Benito, I think more Ronnie Perkins. And I mean, obviously, they're both in Oklahoma. He's playing that same role, but yeah, you know, if they're gonna, I, I, I don't know that adding the day two edge guy like they've done the last three years is the best way to go because yeah. you, these guys need to play. You can't just take these guys and bench them for three years because it kills their development. If they do have to do it. I think Benito is a pretty good option. You know, I'd rather some of the third round guys, Josh Pascal, D'Angelo Malone. Somebody just said Jesse Lucetta in the draft, who's probably more early day three. I, I don't see that investment being that high, but if they're committed to day two edge, I mean, there's an argument that Nick Benito's, if, if Boy Mafe goes in the first round, that Nick Benito's the best day two edge guy on the board. So yeah, he's a good football player. At the end of the day, you want to add good football players. He's a good football player. I just yeah. I get hesitant adding players where you don't know when and where they're going to play. And I feel like that would be the issue here. Yeah, I think that this to me smells a little bit too much like the Uche picks, like the Jennings pick, like the Winnow pick, like the Perkins yeah. pick. Right. Like they've tried this so many times. How many more times are they going to take the high upside edge rusher on day two? Like how many more times are right. we going to do this? I think that that's a big concern that I have with a guy like Benito. I like him though. He's on my board. I think good he fits player, what good football player. Yeah. I think he's fit what they've drafted in the past. I have some reservations about it being too much of more of the same. All right. Uh, Travis we Jones. We've talked, okay. we talked about him a little bit, but he's been, yeah. they, they've been spamming him in the chat, Alex. So let's, let's, let's give uh, Travis yeah. Jones some love and then we can do what you want to do. So, well, no, I just, somebody asked about if you can find a Charlie Kohler a couple times. Um, okay. Travis Jones, so if I do think that they're going to add a nose tackle. They need to add a nose tackle. They were 26 last year against the run. Like, they need that big body in the middle. Do they want to max out on that pick? Because if they want, like, Jordan Davis is his own thing. I'm not counting Jordan Davis here. Travis Jones, the best two-down run-stopping nose tackle in this draft. And he's going to go early in the second round, right? Um, I Again, I think he's really good like that. The question is, when you have needs at corner, guard tackle i would you know if you want to get a luxury needs wide receiver linebacker 
do you want to use that top 50-ish pick on a guy who's only going to be a two-down player where this class is so deep at nose tackle, guys like Marquand McCall, Noah Ellis, within the, the Patriots system are probably going to give you something close to it. So I really like Travis Jones as a player. I just, it's not them to add that that kind of player that high in the draft. So I'm not, I wouldn't get my hopes up for him. If he yeah. comes in, he's going to solve a problem. And I, I said this on a show before. At the end of the day, when you're evaluating draft picks, it mostly comes down to answering the question, what does this player add? What is he going to do that nobody else does? Travis Jones emphatically answers that question. He's going to give you a linchpin, big body block eating defender in the middle on early downs against the run. I just think there's other guys in the draft they can get a little later on that will do that. And this is a position where they've generally looked a little later on to fill needs. It's this one's all about value to me. I love Travis Jones as a player, but you right. like you just mentioned, is Travis Jones that much more dominant than Marquand McCall? Right. Is he that much more dominant than Noah Ellis? Is he that much right. more dominant than uh, those types of guys? I can't, I'm blanking on the guy from Arkansas. DJ Davidson uh, would be uh, another. John, yeah. John Ridgeway. John Ridgeway. John Ridgeway yeah. yeah. Like those are the types of guys that you can get on day three as nose tackles. Travis Jones showed some, I guess, uh, what's it called? Burst energy as a pass rusher at the senior bowl. Yeah. Uh, so I think maybe he can bring a little bit more than that up to the table and those guys are more just first down players uh but how much do they value that we'll see like i i don't necessarily know i have a tough time with this idl class in general of finding it obviously we we know jordan davis in the first round to be a great pick for them but finding the sweet spot on day two for them to pick up another one of these guys is a little bit challenging with the way that their picks are drawn out right it's especially if it's a nose tackle like if it's one of yeah. these hybrid tackle ends like Fidarian mathis um from oklahoma um the, the senior carry on winfrey. winfrey thank you one of my yeah. favorite players in the draft can't remember his name yeah. it's that time of year like if it's one of those guys, I think it's a little bit easier, right? It's the, right. the true nose in the second round is a little tough. Yeah. Okay. So another one, uh, I guess maybe if he falls to the Patriots, Jermaine Johnson from Florida state is getting some real late, like top 10 buzz, right? Like this, he's yeah. going to go pretty darn high in the draft. Uh, and of all the players though, that, they could get in the front seven in the first round. If he does magically fall to them at 21, there are very few guys that check as many boxes for what Bill Belichick wants out of a position like Jermaine Johnson easily to me, better than Hutchinson, better than Kayvon Thibodeau, better than Trayvon Walker. I think he's the best run defender out of this edge group bar none. I don't think anybody's better at him processing, defeating blocks, posting up and holding up blocks. Uh, he is fantastic in that phase of the game and can also rush the passer. I think he's going to be a fringe top 10 guy, but I would absolutely love him if the Patriots could get his hands on him. Yeah, I think he probably moved out of the equation when David Ojabo tore his Achilles. Yeah. Because he, he kind of, Ojabo was flirting with that top 10 range, right? right? Until he had that injury. And I think basically... All the hype around, hey, here's this edge guy who's moving to the top 10, really well-rounded player, great athlete. Jermaine Johnson just kind of seamlessly filled that void when Ojabo went down, right? So um, if Ojabo's still on the board, you know, then there's maybe enough to push one of these guys 21, and that could be an interesting one. Do they take a potential top 10 talent? Are they willing to sit on him for a year? 
maybe. I don't know. I don't think so, but I, it wouldn't yeah. be the weirdest thing they've ever done. But yeah, Johnson's a good player. I just, I, I'm, he's not somebody I've studied a ton because I'm just not counting on him being there. He's, he's fantastic. I, I can't really think of another guy that's come out on the edge because so, all these edge guys, everybody just so wants this guys. Edge to- class is super weird. I, yeah, maybe I'm missing something. I think the consensus is just totally off. Well, I think the biggest thing is for me is that, and rightfully so, I'm not saying that it's necessarily incorrect, but everybody is so caught up in getting after the quarterback that it's like the only thing that matters when you're scouting these edge guys, right? Like, I don't mean relative to to each other, though. Like, why is first overall pick? I've had a lot of people tell me why other players won't be. You know, Kayvon Thibodeau gets hurt. Jordan Davis. I think that's the reason why, right? Because he's got the highest floor. That's not the reason you make somebody a first over. But then you don't don't make him the first overall pick. And by the way, Evan Neal should be the first overall pick in this draft. I've said that a million times. But I I would take Thibodeau over Hutchinson. I know he gets hurt, but I think the upside is significantly better. Trevon Walker, I think he's probably on par with Hutchinson. I would take Jordan Davis. Over Aiden Hutchinson, I, I'm the Jordan oh Davis God. guy. I know I'm that guy, but I just, I don't get it. I don't, he got bullied. He got bullied by Georgia. I don't know how that's not a massive yeah. red flag. Yeah, Jamari Saylor did give him his, his lunch money a few times in that yeah. game. That, that's for sure. Okay. Another edge guy that I think is starting to maybe circle into that 21 range is uh, George Karloftis um, from Purdue. I have so I, I think this is one's tough for me because I I see some of the play strength and some of the power that the Patriots would like in that edge group, uh, in that edge position. But to me, Karloftis is best as a four three end and not a stand up outside linebacker. And I'm also just not sure he's the type of guy that needs to dent the pocket and needs to really come off the ball with speed to power. And they want to contain so much on that spot that I'm not sure that he converts best into their system in that sense, right? Because if he has to convert speed to power and that's how he's, he's not spin move. He's not like, let's throw cross chops and let's do all this fancy hand technique stuff, right? He's the Hulk playing football. Like that's, that's who he is. If they're not going to let him just speed to power bull rush every single time he goes out there, because they're worried about him, uh, Josh Allen, you know, getting out of the pocket and, and, and rolling out. I don't know if George Karloftis is necessarily their guy. Yeah, he reminds me of like those 2015 Denver Broncos teams, like the late Peyton teams. They beat they beat the Patriots in a playoff game, right? Where it was really just a, you had a bunch of bullies up front, right? Obviously, you had Vaughn Miller, you had Shane Ray, Derek Wolf. Uh, I'm I know I'm missing somebody. I can't think off the top of my head, but you said all those guys, it was basically a race to the quarterback. It was, I'm going to beat the crap out of the guy in front of me and whoever gets the quarterback first. That's not how the Patriots play defense. I don't, you know, could they maybe turn him into that kind of guy? I think the raw skill set is there for him to kind of be like a Rob Ninkovich sort of player. I think that's also what the plan was with Chase Winovich was he didn't play the game the way they wanted him to, but they liked the wrong skill set and they thought they'd work with him. And it just, for whatever reason, never connected. He never changed the way he played. I'd be worried about the same thing with Karloftis, especially if you're going to take him in the first round. Yeah, I'm with you on that as as well. Okay, uh, 
more positionless defense here in the secondary. We've talked a lot about Dax Hill. Uh, we haven't talked a ton about Jalen Petrie. Uh, th- if there's one guy out of this safety nickel group that has a better eye for the football or just knows for the football, it's Jalen Petrie. Like that guy's always around the ball. He's always on, on the fit uh, in the run game. He's always around the football in the pass game. You see him on tape and he drops into zone coverage and he covers like three guys on one rep, right? Like he's, he's good sifting through the processing and the reads of the quarterback and taking away. I've heard a lot of Buda Baker comps. I think there is a little bit of honey badger in his game as well, uh, but he's totally positionless he's a nickel safety right he's a guy that's going to play yeah. over the slot he's going to guy that's going to play depth uh deep but he's not going to play on the outside a ton so similar to dax hill i think in that category uh what do you think about jalen petrie if the patriots are that's full-blown we're playing zone and we're going positionless right like that's that's really going yeah. in that direction yeah i so i you know to get kind of college football nerd out a little bit here i like the idea of getting a safety from the big 12. That doesn't mean I think the only good safeties are from the big 12 or every big 12 safety is good, but that conference, it's all very check down or Chuck, right? You're either throwing it to the running back underneath yeah. or you're throwing the ball on a go route. And the NFL is kind of becoming more that way. I think the AFC East is now developing into a lot of that sort of football. So uh, I think Petrie's been tested in a lot of ways. That he's going to get tested in the NFL. I think that's good. Um, Again, if they're going to go positionless, I love it. If I, I don't love him as a replacement for Devin McCourty, I don't love him as the idea is to you know have him play corner. Um, if they're going to just, if they want a guy that can, if they if they want a guy that can, but that's not maximize, then take a slot corner, right? Yeah, that's yeah, then take Marcus Jones. I I yeah. just unless you're going to move him, all I said this when they signed Jalen Mills, right? The, the way to maximize that signing was to move him all over the defense and not give him a position. I, I feel kind of the same about Jalen Petrie, unless you're really going to use him as that chess piece. And they have four or five guys that could do that with at this point, uh, you know, Kyle Duggar, Adrian Phillips, uh, Jabril Peppers would be another one. I just think that there's better, if you're going to put him in a role, there's probably a better player in the draft for that specific role. Jalen Petrie's value is that he's going to play a bunch of different roles. Yeah, he's a ball hawk. That guy's always around the football. He's he's a fun player to watch. All right. Uh, We talked about Veron McKinley off the show a bunch. I don't know if we've done him on the show quite uh, yet. Uh, Another guy that he plays a lot bigger than he listed at, right? Like he's faster. He's fast. He's a a real missile in the middle of the field, uh, can cover a lot of ground in a hurry. I mean, there's crazy center field reps of him just – you know, matching guys all the way down the field, making diving pass breakups, things like that. A really fun player, uh, maybe a little bit undersized from what they typically want in that deep center field role, but he can definitely play it. If they're looking safety, uh, Veron McKinley is a good football player. Yeah, Veron McKinley's a guy, I was super into him last year. I was all yeah. ready. I was mocking him last year, and then he ended up going back to school at Oregon. Yeah, he plays a lot bigger and a lot faster than he is because I think he's just got – really good instincts. He can get himself in the spot. You mentioned the size on the back end, but he's, he's a secure tackler. I'm surprised he's mocked as low as he is, especially in a relatively weak safety class. I think there's concern, you know, he had a down year going back to school, but I, a a lot of comps for him last year, right before he had the down year in 2021, he likes to go back and, you know, he likes to stay after 2020, but when he was going to come into the draft last year, a lot of comps from Devin McCourty and people have backed off of that, but yeah, you know we we saw the Patriots last year. Uh, 
Ramondre Stevenson had a better, you know, sophomore year than junior year. Ronnie Perkins, better sophomore year than junior year. Trey Nixon, better so- or junior than senior, whatever it was. Like his two years ago tape was right. better than his tape leading into the draft. McKinley fits that. I think he's got tremendous upside. I think the one thing he's missing is he still struggles sometimes with some more complex concepts in front of him, reading them. I think a year working with Devin McCourty, Bill Belichick, the Patriots coaching staff would do wonders for his game. So I, if they can get him on day three, which is where it sounds like he's going to go, I, yeah. that would be a great pick. I'd be really excited about that. Yeah. So five ten one ninety eight. That's a big flag on him right now in terms of size, right? Just right. He plays bigger than that. Yeah, but he plays bigger than that. I, I really like Ron McKinley as well. All right. This is turning into the safety show, but we might as well get some of these guys that we haven't talked about a whole lot out of okay. the way. Uh, Nick Cross from Maryland, uh, really good tester. I think Matt Groh was at his pro day at Maryland or somebody was at his somebody pro was. day. Yeah, they were yeah. there, yeah. I don't know if it was Matt Groh or somebody else, but somebody was at his pro day uh, down there. When I watch him play, my concern with him is he's a little tight, right? He's a little bound tight in the hips. Uh, I don't think that he's got quite that pedal turn run trigger to the football uh, that I like to see from the prior center fielder. Uh, I think he's ideally a free safety in a too high shell scheme or a too high heavy defense and not that true uh, Devin McCourty play in the middle of the field yeah. type of guy, uh, but a really, really good athlete, uh, really, really well-built guy, thick, you know, heavy, burly build. Uh, he can really bring it to in terms of the hit stick. Uh, I, I just don't know if I can really trust him in pure center field roles. And uh, Jahan Dotson spun him around like a top playing in slot he in the did. slot at slot corner. So I, I think that he's more of like a too high safety to me, but uh, he can play like, you know, he, he'll be in the NFL for a while. Yeah, tremendous athlete. I mean, that's what pops off. I, 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 I think he's explosive. I think a lot of the issues you attributed to, I don't think they're physical issues. I think he's just, his instincts aren't totally there. I think he's a little slow to react. So I kind of feel the same way about him I do about McKinley. You grab him on day three, I think, yeah. a year with this coaching staff, kind of get his recognition up, his football IQ up a little bit. I, I think he could be a player. So I, these like athletic back-end safeties that that just need to see more football. It's a position where the more football you've seen, the better you are. Um, somebody just said Kirby Joseph in the chat kind of fits in this as well. Uh, you know I love just, Kirby Joseph. Just get him in the building, let him learn yeah. from Devin for a year, and then try to put him back there. Like, I think a lot of these guys would benefit from that. So, yeah, I like Cross. I like McKinley. I like Joseph. If they can get one of those guys on day three, I think that would be a sneaky good ad. Okay, so uh, speaking of Cross, the other Cross – uh, Charles Cross. I can't find the question, of course, now. We're doing Charles, uh, Charles Cross, a top 10 pick. We're doing Charles Cross. Oh, well, how far would we trade up? How far would we trade up? And I, I bring it up because there are some concerns that you hear about from scouts. Uh, the main one being that he's coming out of an air raid system. If you are a team that likes to run the football or even wants to be close to balanced in terms of run pass, uh, he has very, very little pure run blocking tape like he doesn't really have very much of that at all like does he double team can he climb can he pull like we don't you just don't see any of those types of things on his tape because of the type of scheme that he was running in high level pass protector though and i would also point out that air raid guys are not getting docked as much nowadays as they maybe did five to ten years ago right an air raid tackle five to ten years ago might not go in the first round uh, now it's a little bit different world. So Charles Cross, I think, still goes a little bit too high for the Patriots to trade up for him. 
Yeah, they also want to run the ball. I, I think they'll like Penning. I think they'll like um, Raymond if they, if they're set on taking a tackle in the first right. round. I just, I, I maybe if um, Iquanu falls, which I don't think he will. I think he's not, his basement is seven to me. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I Cross isn't. That's not the guy they trade up for. Good player, not the kind of guy they trade up for. Should we go to one more safety here? Uh, we got if it is who I think it is, then yes, yeah. Jaquan Brisker. Love me some Jaquan Brisker. Okay, so Jaquan one of the last guys I took off of my big board, a uh, big reason I will openly admit was that he goes to Penn State, right? And I already had yeah. a couple Penn State guys on there, and they're just not a school that uh, – not a team that drafts a lot of guys that go to Penn State. I know that sounds weird, but that they've only drafted one guy in the last 20-plus seasons out of who Penn was State. Who was it? Uh, or, or offensive lineman. I can't – Rich I, Orenberger, 2009, fourth-round yeah. guard. I go. knew it. There we go. Yeah. So not a big feeder school for the Patriots. Uh, one of those guys that uh, I forget who does the list. I should know this. He, he was on the athletics freak list, right? Like list. He, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. He is an absolute athletic freak. Uh, he can play all over the secondary. He can lay the wood. He can uh, range over the top. He can get near the football. A really fun player uh, to watch, but he's got the Penn State thing. It's another safety. I mean, it just how many safeties could I possibly put on the board, right? I mean, they're not going to have too right. many. Man, but if they're going to break, if they're going to snap that Penn State thing, and there's some yeah. good Penn State players in this draft, right? I like Jahan Dawson. Uh, Brandon Smith, the linebacker, is another one. I think they have a tackle, too. If I could get one, everybody likes Drew Hartlob. If they could get one Penn State player, it's Jaquan Brisker. He He's a deep safety. I think he's a free safety at the next level. He's a deep safety, yeah. but he plays the position like a box safety. He is physical. He beats up receivers. He does not lose on jump balls. He's not afraid to dish out some punishment. I Oh, they could have some fun with Jaquan Brisker. You know, Matt Patricia scheming that up. Gerard Mayo scheming that up. I, I think they could really, really do something with him. They might take him at 21. He's not making it to 54. Or, or maybe uh, they trade up like they did for Barmore. He is, no. I think his basement is probably like 40. But, oh, I, I, he's he's been one of my favorite prospects in the draft since the beginning, Evan. I think I was talking to you about him in September. I, yeah, I love these. I, you know, it's funny. I'm raving about all these safeties. I think it's overall a down safety class. But the one you either love him or hate him. There's no safeties I'm at. Uh, there's one, Smoke Monday. Uh, every other safety I either love or I'm out on. There's really no yeah. bad safeties in this draft, which is fun. It's it's a it's a fun kind of class for that. The Patriots might need one, they might not. It's a lot of question marks. They're watch, they're gonna take five safeties. Yeah. So we were debating about this a little bit earlier. Uh Zion McCollum against Tariq Woolen, yeah. right? Like this is like oh, yeah. which athletic cornerback do you want, right? Which like just traits based, raw, but just extremely high upside with the athletic ability. Do you want, uh, you've loved Tar Tariq Woolen for a while. What do you think about yeah. him now? I think Tariq Woolen has the second highest upside of any player in this draft behind Jordan. Davis. Jeez. Oh, that's a take. We should cut now, that now out. Look, look, the floor is significantly lower. Yeah. The f I mean, that is here. So here's why I say that, Evan, he's six, four. He's got 35 inch arms. He ran a 4-2-6-40 and probably left something on the table. Like, he plays faster than that. Supposedly, yeah. when he was working out, he ran a 4-2-2 when he was getting ready for the combine. 6-4, 4-2 time, views the game like a wide receiver. If he, Let's say he hits his ceiling. 
and this is I, I'm talking absolute ceiling, not guaranteeing you'll be this player, but let's say he gets coached up and yeah. nails it technically and everything, right? There's no mismatch. There is no mismatch for that guy. Well, he's not. Nobody. He's no, a little stiff. He's a little stiff. He's that's not going to. Technical thing. That's a technical thing. I'm okay, saying, but he's not going to go out there hit. like we're we're not going to put him on a shifty slot receiver, right? I mean, he's an outside corner and he's going to play press. Uh, well, he's okay, got at his position, sure, yes. But I'm saying, like, you're, you're, the receivers. problem I have with him is that you're literally you are taking a ball of clay. He's incredibly and, raw. In projection, is, there's nothing on tape that says that this guy is going to be a high end cornerback in the NFL. Nothing. It's it's how much do you trust your coaching staff? That's what the pick yeah. is. How much do you trust your coach staff? But and I, I'm like, I don't know if I want the Patriots to take him or not. I don't know that he'd be the only corner I'd take. But if you can get a guy like, you know. Uh, you know, one of these more sure guys a little later on, or if he falls a little bit and you maybe go a guy like Andrew Booth in the first and Tariq Wold in the third. Sure. I'm just saying if he puts it together, technically there's nobody in the league. He can't guard. It's a I've, huge if I've heard but this so many times about nobody in the league. Can't corners guard. The Patriots this is take. different. How many of those guys were six, four, four, two converted wide receivers. I hear don't you. Don't sleep on the converted wide receiver thing too. I don't sleep on it for his footwork. His everything about him is you are building it from the ground. Okay, up. but let me ask you this: Are any of his flaws uncoachable? No, I don't think they're necessarily. That's uncoachable. the point. So, but I the problem, he, the, the reason why I lean Zion McCollum in this conversation, yeah, yeah. and this is the debate we were having with Zion versus Tyreek Willen. Uh, the reason why I lean Zion McCollum is because you turn on Zion McCollum, and I get it's at Sam Houston State, but you turn him on, he's got 13 career interceptions. He's got plays on tape, right? Football plays, not just him running fast in a straight line in Indianapolis at the combine. You watch him play football, and he's a good football player on top of being a good athlete. I think Terry Gwolin might have higher upside because of his raw tools, but Zion McCollum is already on the third floor, right? And, and so, so I, here's I, that, the thing. that's the difference to me. I, it, I'd rather have Zion McCollum for the reasons you just said. You need somebody who's going to come in right away and compete. If they still had Steph Gilmore and J.C. Jackson, but both of those guys were on one-year deals, then right. Tariq Wollin makes all the sense in the world because you have a year where he doesn't need to play, right? Obviously, McCollum is – like, that's the thing with Wollin. That's why his upside is so high, and he's still a second- or third-round pick because you're not even guaranteed getting an NFL player. Look, I think ultimately with his athleticism, even if he doesn't pan out at corner, he's probably going to be a decent safety. Like, I, yeah. I, I think he'd ultimately be a pretty good. So either way, but again, if you're looking for a corner to come in year one and play 75, 80% of the snaps on the outside, I like McCollum a lot better than I like Woolen in that scenario. If yeah. you want to, if you think you have a great coaching staff, you got a year to develop a guy. I would rather have Tyreek Woolen. So that's the split for me. I don't know that one is ahead of the other definitively. I think it's a matter of what are you looking for? What's your situation? All of that. So. That all being said, though, translate. I think Woolen's upside is translate. tremendous. I need to see. I need to be able to put it on tape and say, "Here's Zion McCollum using his four three speed. Here's Tyreek Woolen using his four two six. Right? Like, here's plays on a football field. And I just can't stack enough together for Tyreek Woolen to feel good about it. Because well, he hasn't I just, played enough. 
I guess that's fair. It's coaching staff that has I've lost trust in the development stage, right? Like I just, I don't know. I, I just have okay, lost well, let's, let's, trust in that aspect of their evaluation. I would just say, and hey, look, hey, ultimately it's different guys, but between Bill and Patricia and, uh, you know, even if you want to count Steve, who's coach secondary. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the cornerbacks. Coach Butler, Malcolm Butler, J.C. Jackson, Kyle Arrington. I mean, they've had all these guys come through and have figured it out. So I, I'm not totally out on them developing him. Again, I might rather McCollum because they need somebody to play day one. And Woolen's probably not that guy. But I'd be interested How to see what they can do with are him. are you and Mike Pellegrino taking Tariq Woolen and turning him into a star? That's what we're debating right now, right? Like that's sure. that's the I, I will say, because I, somebody I, brought I, it up in the chat. Right out to Mike Pellegrino. Gets, I think he's a good coach. So he gets compared to Juwan Williams because he's so big. Right. And like six, four corner, like that's not even a thing. He is a much better athlete than Juwan Williams was. Juwan Williams yeah. was a tight end stopper. Like Juwan Williams sure. wasn't drafted to play outside corner. He was drafted to cover Travis Kelsey and those kind of guys. And it just never developed. It, they're different prospects. They're very different prospects. Fair enough. All right. Let's grade some mock drafts. That's, right, that's yeah, the, we, we said we were going to do that. We're like an hour in. Yeah, we're going to do it. We, we got some, we got a few minutes here. I'm going to pull it up and uh, we're going to get to Graydon. All right. So a lot, a, a lot of uh, mock drafts that look very similar. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll yeah, start. You guys have been listening to us. Yeah, I can see that. So uh, let, a lot of Dax Hill here, Alex, right? A lot of, right. a lot of Dax Hill with the first pick, Leo Chanel. Well, you got to click on one. Oh, I'm getting to the bottom. Okay. All right. So here we go. Here's, here's our first one. What do we think here? A little dibble, uh, double dip there at, at linebacker on day two, Christian Harris. I think Damone Clark at this point, not a day two guy with this final injury and stuff like that. He's he's kind of like this year's Cam McGrone, right? Maybe see you yeah. in the fifth and sixth round now because of that. Uh, but overall, what do you think here about this one? Yeah, uh, Slate Bold in the fourth. It's too early. I think yeah, Alec Lindstrom in the fifth. I he doesn't really have positional versatility. He's just a center and he is still yeah. David Andrews locked up. Jeremiah moon late is nifty. I don't hate that. Yeah, That's probably the best pick in this mock. Honestly. I like, cause I like the last pick everything in the middle yeah. rubbing me all the wrong it ways, is. but uh, you know yeah, what? Not, they need, not they need effort in the middle. At the end of the day, they need three to four instant playmakers. I think they got three. So there's that. Okay. All right. That's a, that's a, that's a positive spin on this one. All right. I'm going to try to be nice. Here we go. Here's another one. Another Dax Hill at the top of the draft, right? We got yeah. Dax Hill. We got little, all or? I don't know. A little trade down, right? We got a, we got a trade down grabbing uh, Dax Hill uh, here. Let's see if I can do. No, I can't. That's the biggest. I'll try to find it on my phone. Just keep going. It's a screenshot of a cell phone, right? So we got, I'll read it out. It's Dax Hill, Leo Chanel, John Mechie, Zion McCollum, Luke Fortner, Neil Farrell Jr., Kyron Williams, Vilas Jones, Jason Poe, who's gotten a ton of love lately. Really good athlete. Uh, really, probably the best pulling guard in the entire draft uh, that maybe they can get in the fifth or sixth round. I really like Jason Poe a lot. So a couple of picks here I like on day three. Obviously, everybody knows my love for Vilas Jones. Uh, Jason Poe, I really like as in their scheme as a power pulling guard. What do you think about Kyron Williams? I, I 
I know the 40 times going to scare some teams off, but that, that kind of feels like where the Patriots pounce, right? Oh yeah. You're so worried about the four, six. We don't give a crap, right? We're going to take them anyway. Cause he's a good football player. Right. One of the best pass protectors that I can think of coming out of the draft at running back in a long time, like really a difference maker impact pass protector and a really good receiver as well. Uh, we haven't talked a ton about backs. We haven't talked a ton about Kyron Williams. I think he's an interesting player for them. Yeah, he is. I, I just, you know, he's Tyler Beatty, but slower. And they're probably going to go in the same range, right? So, I just think that he box better already than 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 pretty much anybody in this draft, right? So well, that's a big difference. When I look at this class, though, I mean, you, you picked up future assets. Daxton Hill, day one. Leo Chanel, day one. Zion McCollum, probably contributing by the end of year one. Uh, John Mechie, probably contributing by the end of year one. It's, yeah. it's a decent class. It's a decent class. Yeah. Okay. So this mock draft definitely is a a listener of the program because we got pretty much every single guy drafted here is somebody that we've talked to once or twice. A lot of trade downs though for Dax Hill. It definitely feels, uh, you know, we've talked about all these guys, right? Uh, Josh Job there, Chris Paul, Ellis Haskins. So I think just, oh man, if you just want to draft a guy at running back that is not sexy, I don't even know if he's good. He just gets the yards, right? He somehow just gets the yards. Uh, That's uh, Hassan Haskins for you. Um, But a lot of people, I would say, Alex, at the top of these drafts, not comfortable with Dax Hill at 21. Like anybody that's trying to target Dax Hill is trying to trade out of that pick and get him in the later 20s or early 30s. Yeah, uh, but again, you get, you know, two immediate playmakers right away. Josh Job's an interesting one because he was supposed yeah. to be a first round pick coming into this season, had an inconsistent year, ended early with a foot injury. Yeah. He does have some potential like day one outside corner though. If he's healthy coming into camp, that's probably a little low for him, but I don't think it's unrealistic. Like if he's going and meeting with these teams and his foot's still lingering issue, you, you might be able to get him there. Yeah. Um, I really like that pick. I like, I like the Haskins pick. Yeah. I even like, you know what? I like the trade, not because I like Andy Isabella. I don't, I don't think he's going to give you anything, but you basically moved back six spots to get a future fifth. Everybody, just, everybody oh, just a good trying trade. to ship Nikhil Harry out of town. I'm not saying they shouldn't try to ship Nikhil Harry out of town, but if I had a nickel for every single time, somebody said, when's, when are they trading Nikhil Harry? Right. I'd be a rich man. But right. at the same time, I think trading Nikhil Harry for Andy Isabella doesn't solve the problem you think it solves. Yeah, that's fair enough. If you I don't really want like Nikhil Harry here, there's no reason to be in a rush to get Andy Isabella. Yeah, everybody knows uh, like my feelings on all these other guys, like Daxon Hill, Chanel, Mechie. Fine, like take any of those yeah. guys, right? Uh, Hassan Haskins at running back, you got me on him, Alex. He's a really interesting player. Like, I just think that that's the type of guy that they need in that back, early down back role behind Ramondre Stevenson for the next three or four years. Just going to get all the yards that are there. And right. they, they tend to put together good offensive line play. If Hassan Haskins has the volume one year, like he could be a thousand yard rusher in the Patriots system, not because he's some dynamic ball carrier, but just because he's really nifty between the tackles and kind of understands how to feed off of his blocks, how, when to cut, when to go downhill, when to do different things with his processing. He's a really interesting player. I think the thing with Hassan Haskins is he's good field vision, like you said, and he's big. So yeah. he's a hard guy to bring down. You know, he's normally going to get at least at the very least fall forward after contact. Right. He's and I pay, people are going to flip out because this player is a stigma on him. He's the best parts of Sony Michelle. Like yeah. he's 
He's a very similar player to Sony Michelle. The difference is you're taking him in the yeah. fourth or fifth round, not the first. Right. He's the Sony Michelle they ended up getting, not the right. Sony Michelle they thought they were getting. Yeah. Draft, like where he was taken aside, Sony Michelle ended up being like a pretty good running back, right? Yeah. It's as much as you can ask for. I think Hassan Haskins could give him that. Again, you're taking him significantly later, but I, I, if they end up with Haskins on day three, that's a good pick. You can't hate that pick. Okay, so Alex, you'll love this mock draft because Matt Ariza there no, at the but bottom. No, but no, I, I, I get sent so many mocks like this. He's not making it to t- every, every Patriots fan just puts Matt Ariza in at 210. Yeah, last pick of the draft. Wind up the draft nice. Barth is going to love it. I'll slip him in there. He's not going to be there at 210. He, yeah. Some people think he's going to go in the 50s. Lance Zerline on NFL.com says oh, he could go God. in the 50s. I don't think he's going that high. He's not going to be there at 210. I think he's going somewhere between 100 and 150, maybe 170. He's not going to be there in the sixth round. He might not be there in the fifth round. You can't just slide a rise in like that and say, look at me. I drafted him. I get the credit. No, you got to take him. The PFF simulator just dropped certain players. We could have drafted Zayvon Collins, who was a first round pick. It let us draft him in the sixth round in almost every draft we did last year. You yeah. got to at a certain point. The, the simulator is not going to respect you. But you got to respect it. You got to respect the process. He's not. The going simulator doesn't respect. I love it. He's not going two ten. I will the, say though, you don't, they don't mean, like punters, Alex. They're just saying they the punters don't, are going. They don't like punters. That's it. And I don't mean to rip this person's mock draft. You're trust me. You're not the only one who's taking Matt Arise at two ten. It's all over the place. Yeah, this is a no. They got some good players here. Zonovan Knight, great yeah. pick. Great yeah. pick. Potential pass catching back. One of the best kick returners in the country last year experienced player. Oh, I, I, I love that pick. It's a little bit of a reach. Some people think he might go undrafted. Some people think he can get him in the seventh round. If they take him at 200 and he's going to come in and return kicks right away and then be the third down back in a year or two, that could be, that could be a sneaky good pick. I love that pick. I, I, I can't remember exactly. I think he's bigger, but uh, maybe like a little bit of a redo on JJ Taylor there, right? Like a, kind of a similar type mm. of player returns, kicks, pass catching back. I, I could see that. All right. Cordell flood. Uh, another one in this draft. Uh, we talked a lot about the other guys. Hill. I don't want, don't want people to sleep on mama. Like, I feel like we talk a lot about Chanel. Uh, we talk about a lot, you know, Kobe Dean, uh, you know, Troy Anderson, mama's sort of getting lost a little bit in that. Doesn't it feel like, doesn't he feel like one of those guys that like they're not going to have a shot because he's going to go between 21 and 54. Yeah, that's fair. He's a good player. All uh, right. And a lot of, I, I saw some people talking about him on Twitter today for the Patriots. Alex and I not quite as high on it on him as everybody else, but all of a sudden Cordell flood to the Patriots is like a, a hot pick in mock drafts that I've seen. Yeah. I, I don't see it. Like I get it. He could, he's versatile, but I just, I watch too many SEC games and, and I, look, I watch a ton of the tape, but I just feel like in the fall watching LSU every time LSU got beat yeah. deep, it was him. It was like, he I just have, in, he played a nickel role for them last year. He played a lot in the slot, which I, I just have bad. Like I, his name yeah. is associated in my mind, which is him getting beat. Yeah, I, fair enough. I think playing in the slot in the SEC is like maybe one of the most challenging things to do in all college football. <laughs> like, well, going, it's not going to get any easier in the NFL. I, I hear you, but just that role, like you're, you're going up against these receivers in the SEC that are all fast, that are all polished slot receivers. It, it's, it's tough sledding in there. He does flash yeah. some good ball skills. He does have some length. I, I'm not as in love with him either as I've seen a lot of attention on Cordell Flood uh, for the Patriots as of late. 
Uh, here's uh, this one. Uh, we got uh, Troy Anderson now in this one. Sean Ryan, my guy, Marquan McCall on day three. Another Jason Poe shout out there in the sixth round. Yeah. I, I don't mind this mock. I think that this is pretty solid. I'm not sure, so sure about some of these trades. Gets a little wonky here with the trades. Uh, a lot of a lot of trades. We got three trades and two picks, right? Uh, well, they made at least three trades. Part. I think before last year, they'd made at least three trades in like four or five straight years. So it's not unrealistic. I mean, yeah. I can't see what some of them are just to, to see how realistic they are. But man, yeah, so the first one is 23 and uh, I don't even know where, what that pick is. Uh, third round pick. Oh, the Patriots get, sorry. Uh, yeah. Patriots are getting 23 and 87 for 21. I, I don't know how that happened, but uh, that's that's what what's up here right now. No, Weird so trade. They, oh, so they're getting paid to move back? Yes. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, no, that's right. No, that's right. Yeah. No, no, no. The trade itself makes sense. I, Arizona's at 23. I, am I like, okay. So Arizona, they went, they were like eight, no, nine, no to start the season. Right, right, right. My, my fault, my fault. Brain fart. Uh, Arizona Um, trades up from 23. They give the Patriots a third round pick for moving up two spots. The only way that this happens to me, I don't even know if Arizona is interested in a wide receiver, but the only way that this happens to me is if, there's an all-out bidding war for uh, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, or somebody like that between Dallas and Green Bay and Kansas City and Arizona, right? Like, that's that's the way that something like this happens. Yeah, which could happen. Like, I, I think so. Yeah. I look at this one. I think Troy Anderson at 63 is probably a little bit – I don't know that he's there. I feel like yeah. they can get him at 54. I don't think he makes it past 60. But if this is – if they walk away with this class – Daxton Hill, potential franchise starting safety. Troy Anderson, one of the best linebackers in this draft and adding speed to defense. We like John Mechie. They get their starting guard in Sean Ryan. We like McCollum. Long-term yeah. outside quarterback. I think they could linebacker. have a starting guard in Jason Poe, too. I, I think right. he might start down the road as well. Marquand, son of a knight. Yeah. I might learn how to do cartwheels if they come away with this class. That would be an yeah, excellent, class. excellent draft. Good job, Alex Kloss. Good job. All right. Here's another one. Uh, another player uh, that I that I don't think we've talked quite enough about. Kellen Deesh here from uh, Arizona State. I think he's his own blocker, right? I think he belongs in his own system. Put him with San Francisco. Uh, put him with the Rams. Now with the Miami Dolphins. Let him get out and scoop block and make blocks uh, moving laterally side to side. But a really, really good athlete. Like if you want to make the Patriots projection, you're probably thinking he's like Nate Solder. Right. Like that's sort of where you're going with it. Um, But yeah, I I think that this mock is pretty much a lot of the guys that we saw a a big trade out of the first round all the way. uh, Looks, I don't even know what they did with. Oh, so they traded 21 to Dallas and they get 58, uh, another third rounder and another fourth rounder. So they maximized uh, the day two, early day three picks instead of, uh, getting like another uh, first or something like that. Yeah, at twenty, like it's one thing if they're picking like what was the year that they took Duggar? They were picking like twenty seven, twenty eight, something like that. Um, yeah, they picked uh, right. They moved back the. I think they were picking twenty three. They moved back to thirty seven. But uh, they okay. also did this with Jamie Collins, right? Yeah, they moved I back just, with Jamie Collins' year. If you're going to move out of the first round this year, you're almost in the top twenty. I want future assets. I don't know that you can get a future first, but like. If, so this right, tw- what is that, 21? So Dallas it's, is 
like I want 58, they get uh, 88 and they get 120. So I would almost, instead of that fourth, because I also think this is an underpay. Generally teams overpay to move up, right? Yeah. That fourth should be a future second. And now we're talking because you got three top one to move out of the, it should take three top 100 picks to move out of the first round entirely. Now, Moving back from 21 to 24 with Dallas, that's actually a trade I've kind of looked at a little bit and I don't hate. But if Dallas is going to keep 24 and you're going to move, should be second, third, future second. Like, that's how I'm looking to do that deal. But, yeah, again, a lot of players we like here. Marcus Jones, Zion McCollum, you get your slot corner and outside corner for the future. Bo Melton, Marquand McCall. uh, Again, Arise is a little low. I'm not that big on Deesh. I just think he's maxed out. I just, yeah, he's an older, right? He's like 24, 25. Yeah, he is who he is. He's just not out. a he's just not a people mover. They, they tend starter. to like that. At, yeah. They tend to like that on the left side, though, right? Like left tackle. Yeah, but they're not as interested in the in the bulldozers. Right tackles where they want the they converted want potential cars, franchise right? guys at left tackle. They want that skill yeah. set, but they want potential franchise guys. Deesh, like he reminds me of Adrian Waddle, who's a good player. Like you yeah. need that guy. It's helpful to have a tackle who can play both positions. But I look at that draft there. Like I, they still don't have their tackle the future. You're still going into next year needing to replace Isaiah, needing to replace Isaiah Wynn. Okay, so this one's got Chris Olave somehow falling to the Patriots at 21. I think any draft with Chris Olave at the top we're good with. A lot of like Dax Hill, Christian Harris, Dax Hill, Leo yeah. Chanel. That like that's kind of Dax the Dax Hill, John Mechie. Yeah, that's kind of the combinations we're seeing here. Uh, Quay Walker, kind of like Chad Mumma, are, are we kind of losing losing the 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 you know conversation here with Quay Walker? Although I will say, Ian Rappaport, I think tweeted this out when he shared some of his top thirty visits for this week or last week, and other guys have said it. Quay Walker might be like a first round pick when it's all said and done, or at least a, yeah. in somewhere in the thirties we've made the, I've made at least, I don't know if you kind of see the Jamie Collins comparisons there a little bit. That could be a Jamie Collins esque situation. If the Patriots were to trade out at 21 uh, and move back into the early second round, that could be more for Quay Walker now than somebody like Dax Hill. So I I've said this before. I, I think all things considered the, the, the talent, the skill set, the position, the positional value, the you know the way the position stacked the other players of the position throughout the draft pound for pound i think quay walker is the best pick they could make in this draft if they can get him at 50 he's a good player 54. and i don't know that they can yeah. but for the other linebackers in the class for what they need a linebacker for what he brings to the table all of that he would be yeah. a great pick i love i love these first three picks really i do i'm trying to tell if they added any future assets here i can't but no nope all like, all moving around Hill, Walker, Mathis, your defense is better. Those are three day one starters. I like Jalen Amore Davis, too, as a potential upside yeah. corner on the outside. And we've talked about. Would Bo much Mathis. rather Amore Davis and Cordell Flood. Would much yes. rather. Agree. Big agree. Yeah. And then get, you know, a little fancy at the end, a little styling at the end with Connor Hayward and Jordan Stout. Yeah. Some good polls, but yeah. players that they the Patriots would like. like this, this person has some research. I think some research this box. This was, this was well done. Did their homework. Yeah, this is a this is a good one. I, I agree. Uh, Jalen Armour Davis, uh, long, athletic, had kind of a bumpy road at Alabama, but well, he only somebody started one season. Yeah, but somebody that I think is really, really high upside. The one thing that I would say about this draft, and Macro mentioned the age of the draft prospects, a lot of older guys. 
because of COVID, because it's a, just a wonky three or four year run for a lot of these dudes. Like a lot of guys don't haven't played a lot of football. A lot of guys are older. Like it's just a weird, everybody's got something right. Like everybody's either 25 year old rookie. Andrew Booth jr. Has only played 15 games in college. Like there's always a little bit of something like that with a lot of these guys um, in right. this class. It just seems like everybody's got uh, just something going on with how many years they played or whatever. Uh, Jalen Almore Davis is another one of those guys. I really like him. Uh, all right. One more. Oh, we got, well, we got, okay. Jermaine Johnson's not making it there. I just don't think he's making it to 21. Uh, we talked about Danny Gray, uh, Tariq Woolen, Troy. Anderson. This is a good mock if it happens. I, oh, I, yeah. I, oh, I don't oh. think it happens. I, I think it's a great mock if it happens. Here's the one I wanted to to pull up. Uh, Kyir Elam, um, Troy Anderson, Dobbs. So finally, somebody knows where to take Matt Ariza realistically. There you go, Alex. Well, they got Oh, we've F. got JT Woods. You got, got JT Woods. We got LeBron yeah. Ray. We've got Tristan Ebner. I yeah. might have put this one together. Yeah, uh, let me see. Who is this? Uh, at Duggar's World has been listening to Alex. That's that's very clear. Clearly. Yes. Although I, I've kind of cooled off on Romeo Dubs, but I, I I mean, I love Troy Anderson. Eliza yeah. obviously took him in the right spot. Melton's a good pick. Big. We, talk, we talked about a lot of safeties before. We didn't talk about JT Woods. Yeah. Talk about a guy who just knows how to get himself to the football. That's what JT Woods does. I'd love to see him again a year with McCourty. LeBron Ray is a fit. One of those, yep. you know, three, four defensive end against the run, tackle against the pass. I've talked about how much. Did you watch Treston Ebner yet? I really like Treston Ebner. Yeah, he's on my list. Back. I'm getting I'm getting through okay. the rest of the running backs now. He's on my list. Okay. This, yeah, I I would be very happy with this. I would enjoy this. Yeah. So I think the the also, end of like low key. Hang on, go up. I just noticed it at the bottom. Go back to that class. Low key Nikhil Harry to the Packers actually makes some sense. Yeah, for a uh, two fifty eight for that Tristan oh, Ebner pick. So basically, you're trading Tristan Ebner for Nikhil or Nikhil Harry for Tristan Ebner. Easy. You're probably gonna need a pick swap. But last year, when there were those reports that Nikhil was gonna get traded before the draft, the Packers were one of the teams involved. Yeah, and they lost a couple of big body guys. Yeah. Now Adams obviously Nikhil's MBS, not yeah. replacing Devonte Adams. Or right. even Marquez Valdez Gandling, but they need size. Like, yeah, nice, nice. Low, yeah. like you stuck it in there Green at the Bay. bottom. But I want to point that out. Nice. Green Bay and Arizona seem like the two teams that have shown the most interest in Nikhil Harry in Washington. Uh, oh, another simulator. This is not PFF. I don't know if people can see this one. It's it's a screenshot again. But uh, I don't know. Okay, what happened at the top? The that starts at the sixty-six. I, I think I it's Messi. I don't know. All right. Well, it's let's end pictures. it there. Kevin, it's two pictures. I don't even know. This is a oh, different no, mock draft. He traded down. Oh, that's a different <laughs> mock draft. Okay. This is this one's not happening. Like Travis Jones at forty two. Yeah, we're we're gonna end it there. We're gonna we're gonna end it on a high no, we're note. Gonna end on a good one. No, 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 no. We gotta end on a good one. All right. All right. Here, here's another one. Oh, okay. Uh, this is okay. All right. Now, now we're getting crazy. We're trading for Debo Samuel. No. Oh, not. Uh, you can on that one. I was Interesting. The first I, so the general consensus here, I guess we can end it this way. The general consensus here, Alex, is that everybody want, it wants a DB. 
like I saw a few linebackers, right? There's a few linebackers as the top pick, right? I think we saw a couple of yeah. Leo Chanel, Nicobe Deans. Um, everybody's picking. Pick, yeah. yeah, everybody's picking Dax Hill. We saw a couple of Kier Elams. Uh, not a whole like defensive back is where the fans want to go, at least based off of this exercise. Yeah, which so get ready for a tackle. Yeah, I, I I've been thinking about this, uh, you know, kind of. Uh, coming to a conclusion here with this draft. I think the most interesting thing for the Patriots, and this kind of segues into our Thursday mock draft show, what are they trying to accomplish at the top of the draft? Are they looking at multi-year needs, right? Like, are they looking at tackle? Are they looking at spots like that? Or are they literally just looking for a player to make an immediate day one impact at a position of need, right? Corner, uh, linebacker, like those positions, wide receiver potentially. If they go tackled and they're more interested in 2023 than they are in 2022, at the top of the yep. draft at least, right? That That's the general right. consensus there. So that's going to be an interesting way to look at it and see where the Patriots are going with this. And uh, Alice and I will uh, take another stab on Thursday ourselves. Uh, Patriots mock draft show probably around the same time as tonight, 8 o'clock, do it uh, a little bit later this week. Uh, but we'll have mock draft 5.0 might be finally the day that Alex gets to draft Matt Ariza. So you definitely want to come back for that. And uh, next week we'll do a first round mock one through 32, and then we'll do another Patriots final mock draft next week before the draft. And then during yeah. the draft, it's really quickly uh, we'll have recap shows after every single round uh, the next day. So Thursday night, we'll have one Friday morning and uh, so on and so forth. But uh, for the short term Thursday, what you need to know, same time, same place, a mock draft 5.0. And this was fun. I'm glad we did this. Yeah. This was uh, no, this, this was, was somebody I, I, I wish I could give credit. Somebody DM'd me on Twitter with the idea for the show. Um, yeah. Yeah. So whoever that was that this might be a yearly thing. This was actually fun. So thank you for that idea. Yes, absolutely. So Alex and I will be back on Thursday. Like I said, mock draft 5.0 uh, right here on Patriots press pass and Patriots beat. Thank you so much to everybody that sent in their mock drafts. We tried to get to as many as we could people that asked the questions in the chat. We appreciate you too. And we'll see everybody on Thursday night until next time signing off for Alex Barth. I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for watching everybody. Have a good one.